Do you mind? I'm on the toilet. You're a movie critic, Steve. I, I'm a what? A movie critic, and a thumping good one at that, I'd wager, once you train up a bit. No, no, you've made a mistake. I can't be a, a critic. I, I mean, I'm just Steve. Just Steve. Well, just Steve. Did you watch a movie and become filled up with a sense of self-importance? That you needed to tell everyone, you know, how you felt about a film? Oh, hey, hey, read this. Uh... Dear Mr. Shives, we are pleased to inform you that you have been accepted at Ebert's School of Opinion and Film Criticism. There, see? Now pack up your things so I can abduct you proper-like. Fine. Can I finish? You're a wizard, Harry. I'm a what? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Hardy. And I'm Steve Shives. And Happy New Year! Woohoo! We suffered through 2020. Let's get set to suffer through another year. It's Yay! Ne- it's never gonna stop. There's no longer a light at the end of the tunnel because the locomotive turned its headlamp off. <laughs> you never know when the train's gonna hit you. <laughs> but it's gonna. <laughs> anyway, we're kicking off the new year by reviewing a film that we've been avoiding for a long time. Uh-huh. Well, I have. Steve has it. I, or, I don't know. He's never really made his opinion clear to me, but we're gonna do it. We're gonna do this insanely popular franchise. We're doing the first movie in the Harry Potter franchise called... Well, it depends where you live. See, in every other part of the world, it's called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. But here in the That's good right. old U.S. of A., by God, it's called Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I don't know what a Sorcerer's Stone is. What is that? It's nothing. It's. <laughs> I know what a Philosopher's Stone is. Because that's an actual object with a history, uh, uh, an actual yeah. legend that has been built up around it over centuries. Sorcerer's right. Stone ain't nothing. Why is it called the Philosopher's Stone anyway? I don't know, because I guess a philosopher made it? I guess. I don't know. I mean, it gives you eternal life and uh, I guess riches beyond belief, because it can also turn lead into gold. Yeah. Why right? don't they call so it the... To... They should call it the Gold Life Stone. Yeah, oh, there you go, see? But no, it's Philosopher's Stone. Philosopher's Stone. It doesn't make sense either way. It doesn't matter. They may as it's... well call it the Harry Potter and the Golden MacGuffin, because that's all yeah. it is. No one ever uses it. No, it's just a rock. And the thing in this book. <laughs> Harry Potter and the thing he needs to get. Well, not really. I mean, that doesn't become really important until towards the end of the book. Thanks for reading the book. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. The Philosopher's Stone. Better do something with that. Um... Yeah, you need to read about... Okay, so, like, consider the beginning of the book like three-quarters exposition to explain the end of the book. Book, right? (laughs) Anyway, we're doing that one. Boy, don't we sound excited, everybody. Yay. Steve, yeah, thank you. I I can't feel like I'm being supported until you're half-hearted yay. It's a timeless classic. Uh Uh-huh. Hey, Steve. Uh Uh-huh. Do you have any trivia for this timeless classic? I do have some trivia for this timeless classic. Great. Can you believe it? Do it. it. Okay. I can believe it. So this first one, because I am, if nothing else, a very hard worker when it comes to my show prep for this podcast, Mm -hmm. this first bit of trivia from uh, Sorcerer's Stone is taken verbatim from uh, the Internet Movie Database. So, good for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Copying. I, yay. Hey, 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 hey. Good artists copy. Great artists steal. Mm. 
Not sure who I stole that from, but it's it's true. Orson Welles. That one, yeah. <laughs> who was a great artist. So there you go. Yeah. It's true. Um, so this is from IMDb. So the filmmakers originally wanted to use Canterbury Cathedral as a location for Hogwarts. But but the dean of Canterbury refused to allow it, saying that it was unfitting for a Christian church to be used to promote, and this will become familiar to Harry Potter fans, pagan imagery. Oh, no. Luckily, there was another cathedral, Gloucester Cathedral, that agreed to let them film there instead. And the dean of Gloucester, who was uh, named Nicholas Burry at the time, uh, uh-huh. ad- admitted to having read the books, and he said he was a fan of the books. That's why he let them oh, film there. Oh, I thought he was going to say something like, "Thanks for the money, jerks." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> but even though, but so even though it had the the blessing of of the the dean of Gloucester, uh, there were still uh, planned protests. There was a huge media outcry uh, when when they heard that they were going to film the Harry Potter movie at the local cathedral, uh-huh. and protesters wrote letters by the sack load to local newspapers claiming it was blasphemy and promising to block the film's crew access. But, and this is the best part. And it part, worked super well and we never got another movie. In the end, only mm. only one protester showed up. Of course. <laughs> of course. I just love, it's not just, well, a small handful of people or a few dozen people. One guy showed up. One guy. One guy with a boner against children's books. Yes, exactly. Doing the Lord's work. Um, also, speaking of the Philosopher's Stone. Uh, I wasn't. I was staring off into space. What? A, oh, oh, who's sorry. speaking of the Philosopher's Stone? Well, I mean, yeah, a couple minutes ago, and we were talking about the title. Oh, oh right, 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 right. Okay. So, in the movie, the Philosopher's Stone is attributed to this guy named Nicholas Flamel. Flamel. Now, Nicholas Flamel was a real person. Mm-hmm. He's referred to in the film as as the alchemist who created the the, the philosopher's stone or the sorcerer's stone. Um, Even as he, no, he doesn't have a wizarding card, does he? <laughs> when you eat, when you eat your living frog, yeah, living yeah, chocolate. Right. When you I'll, kill it with your mouth, <laughs> I'll trade you a Dumbledore for a Nicholas Flamel. Mm-hmm. Um, the real guy was actually a scrivener, which is basically a professional writer of letters, which is like mm-hmm. a big, a, a big important job to have in, in areas when there's a low rate of literacy. And he was really successful. That's right. He he lived in France in the 14th century, and he was actually really mm-hmm. successful. He ran a really a really prosperous scribe business. And Great. it wasn't until it wasn't until about 200 years after his death that legends about him being an alchemist started to circulate, and this story of him having created the Philosopher's Stone, which transmutes lead into gold, which was always the great alchemist's dream, and also yeah. gave you immortality, started to circulate. So I think it's interesting mm-hmm. that the, the 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 stuff about him creating the Philosopher's Stone is is a legend, but it's it exists outside of, of these books, and there was actually a real guy that all of these legends are sort of built around, a real guy named Nicholas Flamel, who it turns out was just kind of a rich scrivener. Okay. Um, also, this, is he alive now and rich? He, yeah, he's still alive because you know it's it's immortality. It's the it's the because he did it. The elixir because it turns out he really did it. No, <laughs> is he suing J.K. Rowley for using his name? Yeah, and I hope he the, wins too. I hope he wins too, and I hope he takes every cent she's got. Um, <sighs> finally, last bit of trivia. 
All right. Daniel Radcliffe explained during interviews conducted around the time of the film's release, so this is like 2001, uh, Daniel Radcliffe explained that he's not naturally a very melancholy person, so he took inspiration for that part of Harry's character uh-huh. by paying attention to the more somber parts of some of his favorite films, like okay. the, Sh- the Shawshank Redemption, 12, um, uh-huh. 12, <laughs> 12 Angry Men, Okay. <laughs> What's Eating Gilbert Grape, Sure. And Dead Poet Society. He mm. was he was eleven. Yeah. He was lying. <laughs> you think? Or was he just I mean, I don't know. He was lying. You think he he you think as an eleven year old he had not seen and understood Twelve Angry Men? I think he got caught off guard when he was asked that question during the press junket and nine hundred people from the studio went quick, write down melancholy things to make this kid sound smart. We don't want him to sit there and just go, I don't know. I d I don't know. I don't know. He was supposed to be melancholy. Did you see him being melancholy in the movie? No, you didn't, because he's not that strong of an actor, Steve. I mostly just I watched. What... I, I mostly just watched The Little Mermaid. I thought that was a lovely film. <laughs> I'm eleven years old. Are you, are, you, are you done? Can I? I'm can done. I go? You you go. I want to go. You go. Okay, it's time for the Who Mates. It's everybody. Get ready. Buckle in. Oh boy. Oh boy. It was directed by Chris Columbus. You know him. He was a writer, director, producer, and he's written, directed, or produced Goonies, Gremlins, Home Alone, Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, it just keeps getting Red. worse. <laughs> and this is very funny. The cheap knockoff of Harry Potter. He directed Percy Jackson and the whatever it is, the b- banal ripoff of Harry Potter. <laughs> If only that were the actual title, Percy Jackson mm-hmm. and the whatever it is, the banal ripoff of Harry Potter. The smash hit, the Adam Sandler smash hit, Pixels. Oh, everybody's favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Produced by David Hyman. Heyman? I'm, I'm going to say Hyman. Fuck it. David it's Hyman. Funny. Yeah, it's supposed to be at any rate. He uh, also produced Gravity and Marriage Story and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Huh. So he's done okay for himself. <laughs> Yeah. Screenplay by Steve Cloves. And he's done. Based on Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone by J.K. Rowling, who is an ongoing experiment to see how she could ruin her own her own reputation and disappoint her fans. Oh, boy, I can't wait to hear what she says next. <laughs> also, can't you, Steve? Also known, as you dubbed her unofficially on the show several episodes she, ago, that intolerant yes, lady. That intolerant lady, or she who shall not be named. <laughs> Starring Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter. You guys... Uh, he's he Harry Potter. He's turned into a good actor. He's turned into a very good actor. Absolutely, he is. He's a terrific actor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's got so much money, he can just do whatever he wants to do. Yeah. He doesn't... <laughs> He feels like doing it'll do it. Uh, Rupert Grint as Ron Weasley, and you know him as Ron Weasley. <laughs> and um, Thunderpants. <laughs> I'll take your word that for that. Movie about the kid that farts. It's a movie. It's a movie. It's a movie. Emma Watson as Hermione Granger, or everybody that the NTSJWs don't like for some reason. Yeah. She's done other stuff like uh, Beauty and Beauty and the Beast remake. Yeah, and uh, uh, I think she she did Perks of Being a Wallflower. I think. Oh, that yeah, that one. <laughs> any others? Could you think of any others? Uh, no? When did she Good. she she did that one with Tom Hanks a couple years ago, where he was like a Steve Jobs kind of like a cult leader thing, and 
I didn't see it, but the, the preview was made that it a look, movie. I th- I think <laughs> you're making that up. I'm not. It's not a movie, I, I, is it? You don't. You, you no. I'm not making it up. Hey, let me. Mm. I'm, let me. Let me look at her filmography. Let me see. She, it was. It was. Uh, the circle. That's what it's called. Okay, if you say so. I do. That hit. All right. Uh, John Cleese as nearly headless Nick. Isn't that great? John Cleese is a ghost. It's barely in this movie. Yep. But he's, it's funny because his head got cut off. John, you don't need money. You, come on, dude. You didn't, you didn't save any of the Python money, John. <laughs> Robbie Coltrane is Rubius Hagrid. Hey, you know who else they wanted to put, to put in this movie instead who? of him? Who was Robin it? Robin Williams. Ah, that would have required some CGI. Yeah, but also there was a rule about casting this movie. You know what that was? I bet it was only British people. British and Irish people, and that's it. Ha ha, we, yeah. Do you know how many of you fuckers have come over here and played iconic American characters, you asshole? Yeah. I mean, Spider-Man is British, for fuck's sake. For fuck's sake. sake. Superman. Batman. Oh, God, yes. Superman, Batman now, because Robert Pattinson's playing Yeah. Him. Who else? Fuck. <laughs> I don't know. How dare Pro- you. Probably somebody else. There's probably going to be like an all-American Huck Finn coming out, except everybody's British in it. Yeah. God but damn no, it. Mocking us British with their perfect Irish accents. People. I'm actually kind of glad they did it. Can you me, imagine? Me too. They had opened the floodgates. Mel Gibson is Dumbledore. <laughs> Ooh. Thank God we were spared that one. <laughs> uh, let's see. Warwick Davis as Phileas Flitwick. Um, he's uh, one of the teachers, but he also plays uh, one of those Jewish guys at the bank. Uh, they're not Jewish. Oh, they're s- goblins. No, I'm sorry. They're goblins. They're goblins. I'm sorry. They're not gross caricatures now, at all. Why right, would you Steve? say that? No, there's nothing remotely troubling why. about them at all. <laughs> not at all. It's a fantasy world. Stop projecting your real world opinions into this fantasy world that does not reference our real world at all. Not a bit. Anyway, he also did the voice of Griff Hook, who is uh, played by Vern Troyer. Don't know why. Oh, wait a minute. Is Vern British? <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. Maybe they said, "Okay, he can play. He can play a goblin, just as so long as we dub him with a with a British person's right. voice." I will hear no American voices in this film. Vernon Griffiths is Vernon Duns, uh, Dursley, and uh, you'll know him. He's a character actor. He's got a wonky eye, and he's really big and fat. You didn't recognize Richard Harris is Albus Dumbledore, and you know him as being a notorious alcoholic. Oh, well, and a fine actor, they, and a fine actor. Yeah, he was in A Man Called Horse and uh, Orca. <laughs> Unforgiven. He was English Bob and Unforgiven. Oh, that's right. He was English Bob and Unforgiven. You know him. But the president, why not shoot the president? He he says he's only doing the movie because his granddaughter said, I'll kill you if you don't do it. And then she did. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Ian Hart as Querulous Quirrell, another British actor. John Hurt as Mr. Ollivander, and you know him from Elephant Man, Aliens, and tons of stuff. You know him. Don't pretend like you don't. Why are you (laughs) You playing this game with me? Alan Rickman as Severus Snape. Hey, guess who they wanted? Who was the choice for the role? Who? Guess. Uh, Tim Roth. Yeah. I, I, guess what Tim Roth did? <laughs> guess why Tim Roth <laughs> drinks? 
Why, guess why Tim Roth drinks? I think I know this. He turned down the role because he was he was in the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes. For Tim Burton Planet of the Apes, he had a choice. He could do this movie or Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. He chose to co-star with Mark Wahlberg mm-hmm. instead of doing the Harry Potter series. That's right. Fiona Shaw is Petunia Dursley. Character work TV in England. Maggie Smith is Minerva McGonagall, and you know her from a bunch of stuff. She was in that class of the the Titans review we yeah, did. Yes, she was. And she's been in like Neil Simon movies and just tons. Just stop it. Don't make me reference Downton Abbey again. She did other things. <laughs> <laughs> she's had a long is, career. Uh, yeah. Julie Walters as Molly Weasley, um, and that's the mommy Weasley, right? Right, Ron's mom, yeah. Guess who they were in talks with to play that part? And probably caused the only British and Irish actors rule. I couldn't begin to guess. Rosie O'Donnell. That'll do it. (laughs) All right, music by John Williams. Do I? How many times? (laughs) I think he wrote this in his sleep. Yeah, more than likely. That's the same joke you made last time we brought him up too. I only have one. <laughs> like, I, I only have one John have, Williams joke. I have I have multiple John Williams joke, and the one that I'm picking now is held at gunpoint because I think he wanted to be done, and they're like, "No, you have more in you." <laughs> I already gave you so much. I gave you Star Wars. I gave you Superman. I gave you Indiana Jones. What more do you want from I, me? Open your mouth and put the gun in it, and you better be done. <laughs> want something magical that can also be turned dark later on. Great. I think I got it. <laughs> Sounds an awful lot like your score from Hook, John. I don't even remember the score from Hook. Sounds a lot. How do you remember it? It, it sounds the, the the main theme sounds is reminiscent of the uh, of the main Harry Potter theme actually. It doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Way to go, John. God, what a hack. <laughs> Music, I did him. Cinematography by John Seal, and you'll know him from Witness, Rain Man, English Patient, and Fury Road. He's <laughs> and talented. Harry Potter. And Harry Potter. Edited by Richard Francis Bruce, and he worked on Seven and Shawshank Redemption. Wow. And a bunch of other movies. He's, really, he's good. Production companies, Warner Brothers, Heyday Films, and 1492 Pictures, because Christopher Chris Columbus is named after Christopher Columbus, and of course his production company is 1492, when Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue and yeah. chopped off the hands of those natives that didn't want to do what they said. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he's regretting his tying himself he, to Christopher Columbus he didn't, this, he didn't, this tightly. He didn't want to name his production Native Enslaving Warmonger Pictures. <laughs> Ger- <laughs> Genocide by Germs Pictures. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like you were named after a Nazi war criminal and no one knew until later and you've like tied your entire life to that person. <laughs> so I shouldn't have called it Hitler Films is what you're saying. <laughs> I wish somebody would have said something. What? I thought Kristallnacht was pretty, and so I made it the production company now. <laughs> Kristallnacht Productions presents The Diary of Anne Frank. Oh, my God. <laughs> I bet some of you listening thought, there's no way they're going to do Nazi jokes. 
during the during Harry, the Potter, Harry review. Potter review. Well, you were yes, wrong. Yeah, you are wrong. We're bad people. We're not good. And you listen to us. We're not good people. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, running time, 152 minutes. Budget, $125 million. Box office, $1.2 billion. Wow. Thank God there, there were many more books left to adapt, huh, Steve? Oh, yeah. Although not, not quite enough for Warner Brothers because they still decided to squeeze two I movies guess. out of that last one. <laughs> can we, how, how far can we milk it? We yeah. can milk it pretty far. Okay, great. Sweet. And we can get started working on like a, a, sequ- a prequel trilogy because those always work out, right? Yeah, everybody loves those. Those are always great. It's the it's the cash cow that'll never stop giving. Let's make prequels. They always work. That's what Fantastic Beasts is. Yeah. It's a prequel. I mean, I take your word for it. I've never watched it. Oh, good for you. How many of the Harry Potter films have you I've watched? seen them all. Uh-oh. Actually, I own them all on DVD. Oh shit. But I've never watched hey guys, I've never watched Fantastic Beasts. Steve and Beast. I are going to have a disagreement soon. It's okay, everybody. Mommy and Daddy are going to fight for a little while, <laughs> but it will be fine because we still love each other let's, at the end. Let's, okay, let's let's we'll save it for the end. We got to get through the, the plot okay. summary first. We got to go into okay, the magical take, world, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Take this plate of cookies and put your headphones on, and take your little <laughs> tablet and go into the closet and just stay there until one of us lets you out. Turn okay? the volume way up, honey. So so high it hurts, okay? I know the tablet will say high volume on headphones is damaging to your hearing, but just ignore that. <laughs> Turn it up even higher, okay? All right, so, Steve. Yes. You ready to do this? I am so ready. Ready? Ready to, to, to fly on a broomstick mm. into the magical world of Harry Potter? Yeah, sure. I didn't realize that the whole world had to be named after the son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, the wizarding Jesus. world of Harry Potter. I know. It's a good. Okay, you came up with a clever name that's easy for children to say. Right? Yeah. Harry Four syllables, easy. Harry Potter. Easy. Even the, Harry Potter. Even the least precocious <laughs> little one can, can handle that. That's right. So you ready? I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to go into a world that doesn't have, you know, a good criminal justice system or due process. <laughs> or any criminal justice system. <laughs> where our communi- our ability to communicate with one another is infinitely superior and most of the problems that occur within this world would have been easily eliminated with the existence of a fucking cell phone. <laughs> it's the don't think too hard world of Harry Potter. I'm tired of this filthy, classist, racist society that condones slavery. (laughs) Unless you have a spare sock, in which case you can give it to the slave and then the slave is free. Oh, yeah, because we kept meeting so many of the house elves that were freed. Right, Steve? No, no, no. I forgot. Most of the house elves like being slaves. Oh, that's not a troubling message at all. No, not at all. Why would you think that? I just, Why? I just, it was just an idea that randomly jumped into my head. Why would it be okay to even teach the concept to children? I don't know. <laughs> all right, you ready? Let's you do ready it. to run off, run off to a school that has a yearly death count? You ready? Let's do it. Let's go, man. You ready, Steve? All right, let's you and me going to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Steve, take it away. Ah, we open on the magical fantasy world of an English suburb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Privet Drive. Privet Drive. It's a quiet little street, and mm-hmm. then up walks Merlin. Apparently, 
Well, someone that looks someone, a lot yeah, like it's pr- this, it's Professor Dumbledore. He's got a, it's Gandalf without the fashion he's, sense. <laughs> he's, he's got a little gadget that he opens up and it pulls all the lights out of the street lamps. Mm. And then he's walking along and walking along and there's a cat there and he's like, "Oh, hey, Professor McGonagall." And the cat turns into Maggie Smith in a witch hat. That's right. And she's like, and she's she's like, is it true that everybody's dead? And he's like, yeah, they've all been slaughtered. Everybody's dead. This is why aren't we sad? Why aren't we crying? Apparently, we're not sad about our former students dying. No, we're fine. They're yeah. bringing it. Exposition, exposition, exposition. Uh, Hagrid's coming. Hagrid lands on a flying motorcycle, and right, he's and Hagrid's car. like a big burly guy with long hair and a beard, and he's got yeah. he's got a little baby in like a papoose, right? And he hands the baby to Dumbledore, and they go and they leave the baby on somebody's doorstep, and Mag- in the cold, yeah. And McGonagall is like, "Should we do this? We shouldn't do this. This is bad to do this to a baby." And Dumbledore is like, "Well, but these and he's people like, are listen. Yeah. We're wizards, and we're idiots, and we don't know how things work." Listen. This is probably a scene that shouldn't even be in the film. If you think too hard about it, it doesn't make any we sense. We clearly demonstrate that we have a governmental system, but this is all right. <laughs> what we're doing, abandoning a baby, that's fine. Abandoning a baby, to peep, a baby to people that we know are terrible. That's right. Yeah. It'll be all right. It'll be, fine. it'll be fine. It'll be fine. He won't develop psychological trauma. Nope. It'll be all right. It'll be fine. So they leave the baby on the doorstep, and it, the the baby has a, a like a lightning shaped scar on its forehead. And we zoom into the scar, and and we, that's where we get the the main title: Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And and mm-hmm. then we zoom out of the scar, and it's like ten yeah. years later. Now Harry's like a, he's like a ten year old kid or eleven year old kid. And he's eleven. And he's living in a cupboard under the stairs. Uh-huh. Because J.K. Rowling sure has read her Roald Dahl, hasn't she? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, there's and, and isn't it interesting it isn't it interesting watching all of these sort of whimsical elements vanish as the series goes on? Oh yeah. <laughs> it, gets... It's like remember when Harry lived in a in a in a room under the stairs? That was weird, huh? <laughs> remember when he lived with people so cruel that that I don't think they feed him. Yeah, they were like or anything. Remember when his family were like fairy tale people? They were like Cinderella's <laughs> family. It's like holy shit, nobody's nobody could possibly be that cartoonishly bad. He lives with the Dursleys. Yeah, and so the it, which is an awful uncle. Yep. His awful wife uh-huh. and his awful their awful child. Yep. And it's his birthday or some yeah. shit. Yeah. And he's mad because he has one fewer present than he had last year, and he throws a tantrum. Uh-huh. And his mom says, "Oh, it's okay, honey. When we go out today, we're gonna buy you two more presents." So then you'll have more right. than you had last year. And don't forget, you have that golden ticket to Wonka's <laughs> factory. Exactly. No funny business from you today, Charlie. I mean, Harry. Harry is your name. Your name is Harry. That's right. And um, Harry comes out and he's like, he's wearing hand-me-downs that are too big for him. Yeah. And he's miserable. And they hate him. They openly hate him. Yes. And he's always in the way. But they're going to go to the zoo. Right. And for some reason. And on their way. On their way out to the car, Uncle Vernon kind of pulls Harry aside, and but says it so that we in the audience can hear, because this is important. He says, no more funny business from you today at the zoo, Harry. You understand me? And we're like, oh, I wonder what he means by funny business. No more miracles or magic yeah. or things that should have scared us a long time ago. No more summoning angels. 
<laughs> no more divinations or or chalk pentagrams on the ground. Do you understand me? No more incantations. No more s- if another demon flies out of my asshole in public again, that's it. <laughs> that's it. You're on strike two, like, buddy. Yeah, or whatever. Yes, yeah, sure. I'll do what you say. Just do. And so they go to the zoo and they go to the snake place. Right. The herpetarium, whatever it's called. Whatever it's called. Yeah. And there's and everyone's looking at the snake and they get bored with the snake and Harry's still looking at the snake and he's like, I feel like you, cold blooded, and I swallow I swallow animals whole. <laughs> or I mean, you're like trapped. And then, uh, then he makes the glass disappear, and the stupid kid, the spoiled rotten kid, falls into the thing, and then the snake gets out, and then the snake winks at him and and speaks to and, him in English and speaks to him in English. He says thanks, and um, Harry doesn't fall down and start to cry because that happened right in front of him. But also, snakes don't have eyelids. Hey, everybody, did you know that snakes don't have eyelids? I didn't. I've known that since I was 10. Oh. (laughs) But apparently, all the animators of this snake forgot, because he winks at him. It's great. He's a magic snake. He's a magic snake that talks to him, and then everyone freaks out. Yeah, right, yeah. Steve? Everybody freaks out, and uh, they 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 go home, and and Harry's, and you know, he's been punished, I guess. Actually, I mean, Ver- Vernon threatened to not feed him for a week. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if they followed through with that or not, because the next time we see Harry, the mail has just arrived and Harry like comes out of his yes. little room under the stairs to get the mail. And he doesn't look any more malnourished than he was before. So maybe Uncle Vernon took pity yeah. on him and said, oh, you can have some scraps of bread, I guess. But uh, he, he there's a letter for Harry in the stack of mail. And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, look, there's a letter for me. I guess I'll let my horrible family see it because, you know, I'm not very That's smart. I'm not very smart. That's smart. I won't just toss this immediately into my cupboard and look at it privately later. I'll open it in, in the, the kitchen. Yeah. yeah. So, so of course, um, his 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 uh, cousin sees it and snatches it away. And he's like, oh, look, everybody, Harry got a letter. You forgot an owl delivered An owl delivered it. Yeah, yeah. Um, because that's that's the postal service of the the wizarding world is owls carrying stuff, and right. so Uncle Vernon's like, oh well, fuck this, and he tears it up, you know. So the next mm-hmm. day, he says, no mail for you. Yeah. So so, but the letters keep coming. The owls keep delivering the yeah. letters, and and every time an owl delivers a letter, the owl kind of like perches outside on the power lines, hangs around, and it hangs around. Yeah. So after a couple of days of this, there's like owls all over the neighborhood, and these letters just keep piling up and piling up. Mm-hmm. And and they never let Harry read any of them. They like they're like, and then they come down the chimney. Become, and there's lots of them. Yeah, they they fill the house, and and Harry's like trying to grab the letter, and Vernon finally says, "That's it. I've had enough of this. We're gonna go live on a craggy outcropping of rock in a lighthouse because that's an option we have, and we can afford it." I just happen to have and one this or is, something. And this is a fantastical tone that will not be maintained in the rest of this no, series. No, ever. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what they do. They go out to an outhouse. They're living there yep. to escape mail. To escape the mail they don't want. Yes. Because they absolutely don't want him reading the mail. Exactly. This is, this is a but completely what? rational response for these people to have. But of course... And we find out it's Harry's birthday. It's Harry's birthday. He's turning 11. And he draws himself. And he draws yeah. a birthday. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and then Hagrid comes back on his magic flying motorcycle. He breaks the door down. He breaks the door down and then apologizes. And the Dursleys try to shoot him. 
Yeah. And they don't. No. And then he scares them. And then he turns one of the, their little, their kid, he gives him a pigtail. Yeah. Not like he puts a pigtail in his hair. He gives him like a pig's tail. It grows out of his ass. It grows out of his butt. Yeah. Right. And then he gives Harry his, his letter that they've been trying to give him. And it turns out Harry has been accepted as a student at Hogwarts School of 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 witchcraft and wizardry. Uh-huh. And Harry goes, "What?" Oh, oh. <laughs> I, yeah. That's a thing. Okay. okay. <laughs> Great. Awesome. <laughs> Yay! Also, I brought you a birthday cake. Yeah. Isn't that good? Now let's leave. Let's go. I'm taking you away. Goodbye. Goodbye, stupid, filthy muggles. <laughs> because they have a word for us, for us regular people, and we're called muggles. Yeah. Because that's that doesn't sound like it's, a cuss word. It's not race. It's not racist. Shut, it, no, shut up. On muggle, muggle. It shares the same number of letters of another word. I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. Is. I have no idea what you're talking about. I do know that other word has two G's. Well, in it, let's but just move that, on because why I'm thinking about words now because. <laughs> What happens next is he takes Harry to a wonderful, magical place where there aren't any uh-huh. racist stereotypes to be seen at all. Where's that? He takes him to a place. Well, he takes him like to a pub, and then he taps uh-huh. some bricks in a wall, and it opens this magical doorway, and they go to this place called Diagon Alley. Isn't that clever? Right. Diago- that diagonally. Diagon Alley. I get it. Dia- dia- diagonally. I'm not an idiot. I get it. Diagonally. First, he tries to explain to Harry that the reason why we don't know about witches and, and, and wizards is because if the rest of the world knew about witches and wizards, we'd always be asking them to do stuff. Yeah, and right? wouldn't that be terrible? I, I think it's because if we knew about them, we could easily kill all of them with machine guns. <laughs> Because there are certain weaknesses to the fundamental institutions of their society. Let's see how how well the Hogwarts fares when we drop a nuke on their ship. Do you, that would be great. Do you have an anti-bomb spell, Dumbledore? <laughs> you piece of it's shit. It's like an, ex- an explanation that you give in a kid's book. And then you radically change directions as you're writing the series so that that first explanation in the first book don't make sense no more. <laughs> Exactly. Like maybe Hagrid was lying to him. And instead of saying, because the humans will kill us, he, he says, <laughs> oh, because they'd always ask us to do stuff. Let's shut up. But don't ask that question again. Yeah. And so Harry, who's had the benefit of going to school since, I guess, kindergarten, if they have that in England. Yeah. Right? You would think. Is now never goes back to regular school again. Right. He goes to Hogwarts for the rest of his education. That's right. So if you want to look at it this way... Anybody that was raised in a muggle household has an education up to the sixth grade. (laughs) And any of the wizards and witches that were raised in wizard and witchcraft families don't have any education. (laughs) Are totally uneducated. They go to school at 11. Now, I'm sure that there's someone who's going to say, no, they have primary education. I don't remember reading that ever, that they had primary education school in the wizarding world. Okay, well, let's keep moving. Anyway, he goes to Diagon Alley because he needs to buy school supplies. But before he can get that's his school right. supplies, he needs money. But that's okay, because it turns out Harry's rich. That's right. They're Shylocks. That uh, uh, there. They uh, uh, the, goblins. That control the banks. Goblins. What? They're goblins. They're goblins. Okay. 
let's explain. Ja- Jason, I don't know if you realize this, but Shylock is a term that has some anti-Semitic connotations. And goblins are not I... anti-Semitic at all. They're just goblins. They don't stand for anything. They're just... They don't look like anything that would appear on a propaganda poster in the 19th Absolutely not. They certainly don't look okay. like a, a very, very popular caricature of a Jewish person that is widely circulated on the internet. Not at all. No. Not at all. No. They don't have long noses. No, they well, they do, but that's just a coincidence. Okay, they don't have pointy ears. They do, but again, coincidence. And long grasping fingernails. That's purely coincidental. They're not obsessed with money. They are, but that makes sense because it's their job because they work at banks. Oh, so that's not problematic okay. either. Okay, they're, so he just—they're just—they're just goblins. They're just, they're just goblins. goblins. They're just they're goblins. Just goblins. Anyway, so they have to get money out, and he's got a whole bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Also, he's got to pick up something for Mr. Ooh, Dumbledore. It's mysterious. Yeah, and he does it. And then he goes and buys stuff. Yep. And it's there that he meets the Dursleys, because he's got to get fucking, I don't know. Shit. The Weasleys. Know. The Weasleys. The Weasleys, yeah. Dursleys, fuck what it. I don't care. The Weasleys is a big family there, and they're getting... No, he doesn't meet them there. He doesn't he, meet no, he meets, him at, he meets the Weasleys at the train station. But uh, in, right. in Diagon Alley, when he gets his... We get the first little bit of foreshadowing about him and he who shall not be named because he he buys his wand, and John Hurt, the old man who sells him the wand, says, the wand that was attracted to you is a mate of the wand that he who shall not be named, the one who gave you that scar used. Isn't that spooky? Oh, yeah, we forgot to mention that. It turns out his parents weren't killed in an automobile accident, but they were murdered by a guy. By a dark wizard. By a dark wizard named... They don't say his name because they don't want to say his name, right? Voldemort. 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 I don't fucking... I'm not scared of him. I'm not scared of his name. That's a later movie. Yeah. uh Anyway, so he gets a wand and he gets his shit, and then Hagrid says, okay, here we are at the train tracks. Goodbye. See ya. I could easily just take you on my motorcycle all the way to Hogwarts, but why would I do that when you when the plot dictates that you have to take this magic train? Why, de- right, Steve? why deprive you of the magical experience of riding the Hogwarts Express for the first time? That's right. So he gets he has to get to track nine and three quarters. No one told him where it is or how to get to it. And it doesn't exist, according to the filthy, stinking, rotten muggles. And luckily, he just so happens to run into the Weasleys, who are also on their way to That's Hogwarts. Right. And they can tell him how to get to Platform 9 and 3 quarters, which is basically just to run at a dead sprint into a wall. Where you go into <laughs> folded it, space. And yeah, you magically <laughs> pass through it, and you're in, you're, you're in the, the magical train platform, yeah. And you see the magical Hogwarts Express. <sighs> And he gets, oh yeah, we also forgot, he gets an owl. You can have a choice of what kind of animal you want, and it's either an owl, a cat, cat. or a toad. Yeah. Or toad. Even though we do see people who have different animals. Yeah, like Ron, one of the major characters in the films who has a rat. Ron Ron has a rat that's unnaturally long-lived. Interesting. (laughs) And I bet there's a story behind that rat that we learn in a subsequent film. I don't care. (laughs) It's just a rat. (laughs) Anyway, so he gets on the, the trolley and he meets Ron Weasley, who's poor or yeah. poor. I guess he doesn't have his family. Does there's no birth control in the Wizarding world, or at least none that his family's practicing. Apparently not. And so they have like a a gajillion children, and so they're stretched thin as far as their money goes. And Ron's like, I've brought puke to eat or something. <laughs> <laughs> He's got something. A lump of something wrapped in cellophane, yeah. That's right. 
my parents suck. And Harry's like, I'm rich. I'll buy everything. And so he buys a bunch of chocolate yeah, on the train. Because even in a world of magic, money is the real source of power. That's right. And there are magical things like that you can get a chocolate frog that moves around and hops around when you let yeah, it out. Wouldn't, because wouldn't you love to? <laughs> you want to pick up and eat something that's been crawling around on the ground, which is perfectly fine for the wizarding world because they don't believe in germ theory. Wouldn't you? They don't believe in it and they're just like, fine. Wouldn't you? Oh no, my chocolate frog jumped into the toilet. <laughs> eat it anyway. Just brush it off. Just brush it off. It's fine. Wouldn't you love to and eat a frog ch- that's just a, it's made of chocolate but is, un- but is otherwise a real frog? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> anyway, uh, the boxes come with wizarding cards, and that's the first time we see Dumbledore in like this 3D wizarding card right. thing. And it's, he's apparently kind and, of a big shot. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's when we meet Hermione, who just walks into the car for no reason. You know, at least an hour into their trip. Yeah. Why yeah. did she come in? Because she's the third member of the central trio, and it's time for her to join the movie. Right. And Harry's glasses are broken, and she's like, I can fix that. And she points her wand at Harry, at Harry, and his head explodes. <laughs> Oops. And that's why they need school. <laughs> no, but she fixes... She fixes his glasses. She fixes his glasses, and we get to know her, and she's like a know-it-all, and they're tolerating her presence or something, right? Yeah. Okay, great. And we're like, woohoo, yay, this movie just keeps going. And then they get to Hogwarts. Yeah, they get the, they, they get to the train station at Hogwarts, and then they have to get on boats, and then the boats take them across to the castle, because Hogwarts is like this big medieval castle. And Oh, yeah, they got to get on, they go across yeah. on boats, and they climb up the stairs, and they meet McGonagall. Yeah. And she's like, hi, everybody. And um, this is, is this when we meet is Draco? Yeah. Malfoy is in the group of the first years who are about, they're about to go in to get mm-hmm. the sorting hat. And, and right. Malfoy and is like, there. Bleach, he's like, hello, Potter. I bleach my hair. <laughs> I bleach my hair. They try, he tries to like get them and indoctrinate them into, you know, his group yeah. of thugs. And Harry's like, oh no, I recognize you. You're bad. Yeah. And he's like, fuck you, Potter. <laughs> I'm going to be friends with this guy I randomly met on the train instead of you. Mm-hmm. And then they say, hey, everybody, we're going to now spend the next six hours as each student one at a time walks up <laughs> and, and has a hat a magic tell hat. them where they're going to be that's right and everybody goes and we see Dumbledore and Richard Harris his costume is holding him up in the two movies that he appeared in there was no way he was completing this this franchise if he was still alive. no way there was no way and he wait so he's like everybody <laughs> welcome to the oh god and everyone's like <laughs> oh, I've I've pulled my throat. How do you do that? This was a mistake. Anyway, everyone gets the sorting hat, and they put it on your head, and it tells you what house you're going to be in. Right, right, because Hogwarts, the student body is divided into four houses, and it's it's Gryffindor, uh, Slytherin, which is the evil house. Uh, and then Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff, which you don't need to worry about those two. They don't matter at all. Um, That's right, because Slytherin, every evil wizard that has ever been produced came from Slytherin. Right, and all of the heroes end up in Gryffindor, so the other two don't matter. Yeah, the other two, fuck Just whatever. Nobody cares about you. They're two garbage houses that no one needs to talk about. And so Carrie goes up there, and he's like, oh, please, I don't want to go to Slytherin. And the house, the hat fucking says, yeah, okay, you're in Gryffindor. And everyone goes, 
yippee, and then they go up to where their house is, and there's these stairs that move around, and eventually they get to the front door of the house, which is a painting of a lady, and they say a secret word, and they go into the lounge, and then they... I don't know. Yeah, they get Harry's there and he's still not happy or something. There's a lot he's of table setting. Yeah, they 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 figure out where their dorms are. They learn sort of the layout of the castle. Mm. Uh, then I think the next we see them the next day where they're going to class and Her- Harry right. and Ron are late to McGonagall's class and they I have a question. Yeah. When's math class? I don't think they have that. Oh, so whatever I learned up to sixth grade is what I know of math? That's all you're going to need, really. <laughs> Wizarding kid's like, I don't know any math. Uh, good thing. I guess there aren't fractions involved in uh, mixing a potion. What about English class? No, no we don't, we don't have that. that. I don't know how to read or write. <laughs> oh, and I've got a magic wand that can make things happen out of thin air. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, what about what about history class? No. Who's history? Well, like how England came to be. We don't know what England What's is. What's England? <laughs> I've, I've lived in the wizard world my whole life. You get wizard history, isn't that great? Okay, so you're just pumping out functional illiterates that don't know anything? <laughs> that can use powerful magic? It's like 90% of the planet is dominated by muggles, but you don't feel you need to teach them anything about it? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, you just stay to the magical parts. So we're segregated. <laughs> well, it, don't think of it don't like that. Don't think of it like that. It's not like that. We just don't interact with them and our cultures don't mix. So you're isolationists. That's inherently dangerous. <laughs> so, so you're isolationists. You're saying we're packed away into ghettos that we <laughs> basically ghettos. can't leave? <laughs> oh, look, I've turned the flower into a fish. Look, look, isn't it wonderful? <laughs> So then the next day they wind up in the greatest class ever, which is, Steve? Is this Snape's class? Potions class? This should tip off Harry as to what kind of shit show he's walked into. His class, which he has for the entire time that he is in Hogwarts, right? It's every year that he is in Hogwarts he has to take this class, which is protection from the The dark dark arts. arts, yes. If you went to school... And you had handgun training from the time you entered to the time you left. For seven years. <laughs> You'd think, hmm, something must be I up. I wonder. Anyway, he's got a mean teacher yeah, in that it's class. Professor Snape. He don't like him. You don't like him for some reason, huh? Yeah. He's like, boo. And then they're like, oh, well, okay. He's been I guess teacher. he's a bad teacher. Mm-hmm. But it's okay. Then we cut to the main hall where they're doing something, homework or something, and they get letters? Do they get letters? They get letters. Yeah, they, they, oh. they get letters, and, and, yeah. and there's a, somebody gets a newspaper, and we get a little bit of plot because uh, Harry notices in the newspaper that Gringotts, where the bank where he where, where Hagrid got that mysterious item and Harry got his money, had been had just been robbed. And, and mm. the vault that was forced was the vault that Hagrid had opened to get that mysterious object. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a minute. Snape doesn't teach Sigda. No, he, teach, he teaches potions. He teaches potions. Yeah. It's Quirrell, the totally not suspicious stuttering man. Exactly. With a turban on his head teaches that class. Okay, never mind misdirection. Anyway, then um, we get broomstick lessons. Because you got to learn how to fly on a broomstick because they don't have cars 
or anything. They don't have public transportation, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it seems like mostly like broomsticks, and then and then later we know we learn that they can teleport, and that's pretty much it. Hi, you're 11 years old, and we're gonna teach you to go so high up in the air that you die if you fell off. But that's okay. You're 11. You can do it. And then they all take it. And then there's a thing with a ball or something. Yeah, I think it's like a memory orb that, uh, what's his name, Neville got as a present when they got their mail, and uh, Neville has an accident and falls off his broom, and Malfoy takes his memory orb, and he's like, I've got it, it's mine now, and Harry's like, give it <laughs> give it back, and so he throws it, and Harry goes and chases it on his broom and catches it, and Professor McGonagall, see, right. Professor McGonagall sees Harry like flying around on his broom, and you think he's going to get in trouble, and she comes out, and she's like, Harry Potter, you come with me, and you think she's taking him like to take him to the principal's office or something, but actually she takes him to get another kid named Wood out of class and she's like hey guess mm. what shocking twist Harry's not in trouble I want him to join the sports team oh and the, wait we've got to hold because my dog's having and a the, and the dog is thrilled that Harry is going to be on the Quidditch team give me the dog give me the dog there's someone at my front door I'm leaving all of this in oh, the show oh cool isn't that great I, I hope you do we get a little Harry Potter break. <laughs> a little Harry Potter break. Mm-hmm. But, and then uh, she makes him a seeker on a game that's called Quidditch. Yes. Which is, which, is a t- which is a totally real game that has rules that make perfect sense. And if you ever want to laugh yourself hysterically, watch people dressed as, wizard, dressed as Quidditch players run around a soccer field with, <laughs> with broomsticks between their legs playing Quidditch and real it's it's oh boy anyway he delightful. finds out that his daddy was like a great position on this Quidditch team for Gryffindor right? yes they're like oh your father was a great he was a seeker too and seekers is totally awesome and you're totally awesome because you're a great wizard wizard we could just tell and um also you're gonna be great on the team and he's like okay what i don't i don't care (laughs) i didn't know my i didn't know my parents i don't know who you are anyway (laughs) then they find i can't remember how they find this out but they decide to go to a spooky part of the Hogwarts for some reason? They're following some? I can't remember. Well, yeah. Um, they Harry knows that whatever was in the vault, Hagrid brought to Hogwarts. And right. they find there's like a spooky part of the castle that they were told. Mm-hmm. I think that, that Dumbledore told him at the beginning of the school year. He said, don't, oh, don't go right. to the spooky part of the castle. And Harry's like, I bet whatever the thing is that, ha- that, that, that Hagrid Or took, you could die yeah, is what he I said. bet it's in the spooky part of the castle. So they want to. They- Steve, if at the beginning of, of your 12, when you, sixth grade year, the principal told you, oh, yeah, also, don't go to B building or you'll die. <laughs> <laughs> Would you want to stay in that school if you open school with anyone who goes into B building will die? Also, I don't think the woods behind the school don't go there either or you'll probably die. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would. I don't think I would either. I think I'd ask my mom for a transfer. I think I'd, can can I go? I'll go to public school. I'll go to public school. That's fine. Can I go someplace where I'm not warned twice about the potential of dying if I just wander into a part of the yeah. school? Are are there schools without deadly forests right <laughs> off the property line? Is that is that an option at all? But they go in there, and what do they find, Steve? 
Is this where they find the giant three-headed dog? Yeah, they find the giant yeah, there's, there's three-headed a, dog. There's a three-headed dog guarding a trap door, and they're like, I bet that's something important. I bet, but then we cut to uh, Harry Potter learning about the game of Quidditch. Yep. Now, boy, I'm glad that they taught us all about it, and here are the rules of Quidditch. It's, it's like soccer, kind of, where you hit yeah. balls, and they go into these holes. You're flying on a broom the whole time. But if you catch... If you catch the thing called the snitch, the flitch, the, it's the snitch, isn't it? The golden snitch, The golden, snitch. The golden yeah. snitch. If your seeker catches the golden snitch, it's worth so many points that your team automatically wins the game. Yeah. It'd be kind of so. like if you played basketball, and one part of the team is trying to score you know, points, and you had one player who was designated to chase one of the beer guys around and beat him to death. <laughs> and if you did it, you score so many points in basketball that it doesn't matter what the other people are doing, right? Exactly. It it almost makes the main part of the game that most of the players are doing totally pointless. That's right, because you'd be watching the people flying around trying to catch the snitch. Right, and who cares what the other people are doing? Exactly, exactly, Steve. <laughs> but I'm glad we learned the rules, and that's great, right? Then yeah. we have some more class shit, where we find out that Ron is not a good, he's not a good wizard. No, he can't do spells. No, he can't do anything, it seems like. he's He sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we um, it's Halloween. Well, what we get? Do we get? Uh, is Halloween before or after the first Quidditch match? It's after. Yeah, because there's the first Quidditch match where Harry's broom goes haywire, and it's they after. think that's and they think that Snape has we cursed have to his do broom. The troll. Oh, the troll! Yes, that's right. Well, Shrek breaks into Hogwarts. Yeah, one of the dumbest looking things I've ever seen. But he breaks in and everyone screams because there's a troll. Because there's a thing that can kill them that is on school premises. It'd be yeah. kind of like if you're sitting around eating your 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 tater tots at, at the school assembly lunch that also included your Halloween celebration. And someone came in and said, there's a grizzly bear wandering around school. <laughs> but everybody stay in school. Yeah, don't leave. Don't go home. That's for sure. Don't go home. Stay in the building with the grizzly bear loose. We'll take <laughs> care of it. And then, of course, they take they, they get the, the troll. They fight it, and they don't die, right? Well, of they course not. They save the day, die. yeah. It's like, ooh. And then, while they're all having breakfast or some shit, an owl delivers a brand new broomstick to Harry, right? Interesting. And it's like a super cool one. Yeah, and, because he doesn't have enough shit. Yeah, he doesn't have enough shit going on. He's anyway, already rich. Then we have the Quidditch game, and that goes on forever. It's a and, long, <laughs> long part of the movie. Uh-huh, and then at some point, his broomstick goes haywire, and they think that, that Snape is doing it because they think Snape is trying to steal the Philosopher's Stone. Right. Because he's a bad guy, and no one likes bad guys. Exactly, and he's obviously the bad guy because he's dressed all in black and he's mean, and that's not a misdirection at all, and why no. would you even say that? I don't know why I said it. Anyway, about 40 minutes later, um, after someone tries to do it. No, someone sets Snape on fire? I don't remember. They set, Yeah, Hermione they, sets him on fire. They set yeah. one of the teachers on fire. They set <laughs> Snape on fire. 
And eventually, Harry catches the the golden snitch by catching it in his mouth. And um, they win. Yay. Yay. But now it's Christmas time. And Ron is staying home because his parents hate him. And Harry has no parents, so he's staying at the Hogwarts. And Hermione has parents that love her. So So she's going home. Right. And now we have hijinks. Why do we have these hijinks? Because Harry, for Christmas, Harry gets an invisibility cloak. Oh, that's nice. You, you put it on and you can't see anything. And they use the invisibility cloak. He puts the invisibility cloak around him and Ron, and they use it to try and sneak into the forbidden section of the school library to learn more about Nicholas Flamel, the guy who created the Philosopher's Stone, which that's is what right. they think is hidden in, this, in the castle. There is a forbidden zone in the library and they just in the go school right library <laughs> yeah there's a restricted section in the school library in this school full of children okay. yes absolutely it would be like if you were at school and you walked into the library and there was a big door and behind it behind the door through the window you can see that there's nothing but nazi propaganda and maybe some porno it's explicit yeah. porno magazines <laughs> Yeah, but it's in the forbidden section, so you're That's not supposed right. to go so in. Go in there, but they do, and they get almost in trouble, right? Yeah. Isn't that what happens? They As almost get caught, yeah. They almost get caught, but while Harry's running away, he runs. Uh, he oversees a discussion between the the dark arts teacher and Snape. Quirrell, yeah. And Snape's yeah. like, you better, I know what you're doing. And Quirrell's like, no, dear, or whatever. Yeah. And, and then Harry runs, and he hides in a room that has a mirror in it. Yeah, a magic mirror. And in the mirror, he can see his parents. And he's like, oh, that's cool. So he goes, gets Ron and wakes him up. And Ron looks into it and he sees, oh, I'm not a doofus. And a girl sucking my dick. It's great. And he's like, oh, man, I want to live in the mirror. That's not it. And though Harry starts spending more and more time in front of the mirror. And then Dumbledore shows up and he's like, um... We you haven't gonna... been to class for a week? <laughs> yeah, where have you been? I know we're closed and you're depressed, but this mirror is dangerous. It shows you... What is the magic of the mirror? What does it do? The mirror shows you your your dearest heart's desire, whatever it is. Right, and people waste away in front of it. And right. We're going to move it, so... Go through your 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 addiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, Somewhere we else. know everybody misses their parents. Get over it, okay? Thank you, kid. <laughs> Go back to class. You're failing. You're failing all your classes. <laughs> so now we come back to school and um, Hermione and Ron. Okay, so at some point they really hurt Hermione's feelings, but now they're good friends. Forgot that part. Yes. Yeah, they're cool. Mm-hmm. And then I can't remember. Do they get in trouble for something? They well yeah they they go to they go to talk to Hagrid mm-hmm. um, and so and they're so they're out of their dorm after hours and because they're going to talk to Hagrid because they think he knows more about all this mm-hmm. and and Malfoy follows them and catches them going to Hagrid's place so Malfoy snitches on him and turns him in mm-hmm. and they get in trouble for that. And they and have so to serve Malfoy. detention. And Malfoy gets in trouble too because he, even though he's the one who turned him in, he was still out of his room too. So he broke the rules. So they all get punished. And their punishment for going to see Hagrid is to go and see Hagrid. Mm-hmm. And Hagrid takes him into the into the Death Woods. Okay, guys. Let's say that you were in school and you got in trouble for being out of your classroom, and mm-hmm. your punishment was. 
to take weapons <laughs> in, into the woods that are filled with lethal danger. That's right. You were to go underneath the school and kill all of the rabid raccoons that are there. <laughs> <laughs> this is detention. And they gave you a bat. And that's about it. Have fun. So, yeah, they got to take him out into the woods because something's been killing. All, there's been a bad thing that's killing things. It's killing It's killing unicorns. Yeah, it's, that's bad. You don't want to kill a unicorn, do you, Steve? Nah, man, that's not cool. Killing unicorns ain't cool, man. No. Because unicorns are special. Yeah, unicorns are special. So they go out there and there's spooky stuff. And then um, they find a dead unicorn. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yep. Harry finds a dead unicorn, and there's some kind of ghost or wraith or something. Yeah, drinking its blood. Drinking its blood, and we find out through exposition that drinking its blood will make you stay alive, but it's terrible or something. Right. It keeps you alive, but it also makes you cursed. Like you're not. You're half alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what happens, Steve? I don't... Uh, the, the the ghostly wraith thing that is drinking the unicorn blood is about to attack Harry, but then a centaur shows up to save oh, the day. Right. And centaur gives Harry all this machina. exposition. <laughs> yeah, it's the exposition centaur arrives. And, and, and he fills <laughs> Harry in on all this... He says, what? He says, uh, yeah, don't, don't drink unicorn blood, kids. We'd make yeah. PSAs if we had television. If we had media. If we had mass media. Or yeah. art of any kind. <laughs> Our culture is a stagnant nightmare. <laughs> um, it's, it's brutally no, arrested. We find out at later a point. they have their own pop-pop song people. Right? Yeah. They have yeah. Like bands and stuff, I guess. Anyway, uh, then they talked to McGonagall for some reason. I don't know why. I didn't write it down. Do you know why <laughs> they did it? Um, well, no. They think that somebody is um, is going to try and steal the the philosopher's, the philosopher's stone. stone. Yeah. And they think they think Voldemort is because uh, Harry deduces that the thing because uh, the the exposition centaur kind of uh, insinuates to Harry that the thing killing the unicorns is Voldemort. Right. And he's like, oh. No. No, Voldemort's trying to get the Philosopher's Stone so he can right. he, be So alive. he can come back all the way. Yeah, he can, yeah. exactly. Because apparently he was destroyed, and people think he's destroyed, but he's not yeah. d- d- destroyed, I guess. And It's a little hazy at this a- point. Also, uh, Hagrid has a baby dragon that he's not supposed to have. Right, that was important. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a <laughs> plot point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hagrid gets a dragon, and the dragon gets taken away. So these and three kids are going to go get the Philosopher's Stone before Snape or Voldemort or whoever is going to steal it, right? Right, right. And their friend, ne- uh, Neville, tries to stop him, so they petrify him or something. Yeah, yeah. Hermione, Hermione casts like a freezing spell on him. And he falls over and he's dead. And he's, he's dead. Yeah. And so they first have to get away from the three-headed dog that we forgot to mention. Right. So they have a Cerebus, and um, it's been locked in a tiny room without food mm-hmm. for, yep. I think, the entire year. 
because yep. animal cruelty is a thing in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. It sure is. But when, when and they Hagrid eventually tells him that the way to get the three-headed dog, the way to get past him is to play some music and he'll fall asleep. That's right. But when they get there, someone's already playing music. Yeah, uh-oh. There's there's an enchanted harp that is right. playing and has knocked the the dog out. So, but of course the dog wakes up before they get through the trap door and they right. barely escape and then they fall into these vines that are trying to strangle them Called but the Hermione devil's snare. the devil's snare but Hermione knows what it is and she's like hey dipshits just stop struggling and the vines can't hurt you that's right and and so that's what she does and that's what Harry does but Ron is too dumb and keeps struggling so they have to use a spell to so get the vines so Ron's dead too no they they save Ron with His a spell and he falls gets out down. on the other side and they're like oh <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't be doing this. That would be bad. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't be doing this. But then they go into a next room, and all these traps are designed to protect the Philosopher's Stone, I guess. I, I guess, yeah. And then they go into a room, and it's a big what, Steve? It's a big... Uh, is this the chessboard, or is there, they have to do the key thing first? Oh, that's right. They have to find the key, because there's like a, a room full of flying keys, and Harry has to take a broom Little up and wings. grab the right key. Yeah, and uh, so they get the key and they go into the next room, and then the next room is the giant chessboard. That's right, and now we've got because right. there's been a thing in the in, in called wizards chess, and the big difference between regular chess and wizards chess is that the chess pieces destroy one another. That's isn't it. that fun. <laughs> and so they have to play chess, and the chess pieces are going to destroy one another, and Ron's going to do it because he needs a function. And yep. he's like, I know how to play this, kind of. And then they play it, and then one of the wizards destroys the piece that Ron is stupidly on and doesn't get off for whatever reason. <laughs> I guess yeah, he has just to get stay off, on. Just get off the horse, Ron. But they win, but Ron's hurt, and Hermione yeah. stays with Ron, right? Right, so Harry goes on alone. Right. And, and he, he goes, goes into this he goes into this room like a little sunken amphitheater and mm. the 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 magic mirror is there. Yes. And and so is Professor Quirrell. Mm. Hmm. Not mm. Snape like they were expecting to find, but yeah, Professor Quirrell. What a surprise. What a twist. And Professor Quirrell's like, "Maha, I have I have Voldemort in me. <laughs> I, ha I have a parasitic twin." And he takes off his turban and there's a face on the back of his head. And he's like, ma ha ha, I'm evil. And I also look different than later on. But uh, right now I'm evil. Boo! <laughs> and I'm going to destroy you, Harry Potter. And um, then a thing happens. <laughs> Doesn't he see his reflection put the Philosopher's Stone in his pocket? Uh, yeah, he goes... Well, he sees... Um, uh, Quirrell is looking at the mirror. And he's like, I can see myself holding the Philosopher's Stone, but I don't know how to get it. And then Harry looks at himself in the mirror, and his reflection pulls the Philosopher's Stone out of his pocket and kind of shows it, and mm -hmm. then puts it back in his pocket. And Harry looks in his real pocket, and the stone is magically there. And he's like, oh, shit, this was a bad idea. Why did the mirror do that? Um, it's explained oh, later. Because but it would it, only give it to somebody who doesn't want it? Yeah, yeah. it's ex it's explained later that the, the spell was that only someone who wanted the stone but wasn't going to use it could get it. Right. But, but why let anybody get it? <laughs> why not just get rid of it? <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh-oh, Voldemort knows something's up. Yeah. And he rushes like, Harry Potter and touches him. And what happens? 
Um, he touches Harry, and his hand like turns to stone and crumbles into dust. And right. then he's like, he's like, what the? And Harry's like, oh, cool, killing touch. And he lunges at him and puts mm-hmm. his hands on his face, and and murders uh, a man. And murders him. And Quir- so Quirrell, he his his whole body turns to dust, and he right. falls apart. He crumbles. And Harry's like, yeah, I'm gonna rule this school. Yeah, and then a spooky ghost. Yeah, comes, the spooky Voldemort and, ghost comes out and flies through him and knocks him out. Right, and he wakes up in the school's hospital. Yep. Because, hey kids, if you ever showed up to the first day of school and one of the buildings was a hospital? <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's a dedicated hospital in the school. Um, but then... <laughs> then uh, Exposition Dumbledore shows up and explains uh-huh. to Harry what happened. and he Get says used that the to re- this. He, he, oh, he I'm says sorry, that, Harry. I should, probably should have told you a whole <laughs> lot of things. There was certain crucial information that was hidden from you for... And also additional not, information that I'm still holding from you. <laughs> Look, this is going to repeat. This is a cycle for the next six I years or so. I lie a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be trusted. I'm the closest thing to a father you'll ever have. And well, you can't trust me, Harry. Not at that all. That was a weird ending, and I suppose... I should describe it to you since we never mentioned it once in this three-hour fucking movie. (laughs) So apparently the reason that Harry's touch was so lethal to Quirrell Uh was that when Voldemort uh, was going to attack Harry, Harry's mother got in the way and took like the killing curse for him and sacrificed herself Mm -hmm. uh, for him. And as Dumbledore explains it, that kind of sacrifice leaves a mark on Harry that is not the kind of mark that you can see, but it's a mark that is in his skin, and it's and it's it's his mother's love. So when he touched Quirrell with his hands that were infused with his mother's love, Quirrell mm-hmm. couldn't he couldn't stand it, and he turned to dust, and he died. And it's never coming back again. And that apparently it's a one-time deal. Right. <laughs> Um, and and also uh, also Dumbledore explains that the Philosopher's Stone has been destroyed. Which, like, as long as that was an option, why not just do that? To I begin don't with? know. I don't know, Steve. I don't know. But why anyway, so all's well that ends well. Let's hide it in a children's school plan instead of <laughs> let's destroy this immediately plan. Let's and let's and when our when when a couple of our teachers catch wind that some of our students are actively trying to find the stone that has been hidden in the extremely dangerous school. Let's just let them do their thing. (laughs) Let's not keep an eye on them or make sure they don't do anything dangerous. Let's just let them go. Uh Uh-huh. But it's okay because now we're going back. It's the end of the year, and we forgot that this school makes the houses compete with one another. Right. Right. Yes. They get points that are awarded to them. It seems pretty arbitrary by the professors. The point and, system? And, yeah, it doesn't Yeah, and, and the matter. point, whichever house has the most points at the end of the school year wins the house cup, which is That's a big right. deal. That, again, isn't really mentioned after this, but is treated as like a huge deal. In, it's a huge deal in the book or yeah. whatever. Anyway, it looks like Slytherin is one, but then Dumbledore, who's from the Gryffindor house, and the reason why this entire making them compete is all bullshit is because he steps forward and goes, Aha, I'm going to award points based on some stupid shit that these (laughs) children did. I'm going to put my thumb on the scale. Fuck you. You can't do anything about it. And he awards points to... uh, uh, 
to Hermione, to Hermione, to Ron. Um, for the Devil's Snare. Hermione, yeah, yeah. Hermione gets points for knowing how to defeat the Devil's Snare. Ron gets mm-hmm. points for winning the chess game. Right. Harry gets points just for sort of general bravery. For being Harry Potter. Yeah, and then and then what puts them over the top is Neville also gets points for standing up to his friends and trying to stop them from going to find the Philosopher's Stone. That's right. Even though, even though if he had succeeded, the bad guys would have won, but whatever. Good for you, <laughs> Neville. The bad guys would have won because the people who manage the wizarding world of Harry Potter are a bunch of dipshit fuck-ups. <laughs> They're monstrous, negligent adults <laughs> who, who, who allow their children to be needlessly endangered on a daily basis. Uh-huh. Let's, let's, let's run through the facts. They suspected that someone was going to steal the Philosopher's Stone, so they took it out of the Gringotts Bank, and they went, the most secure place to hide it is in Hogwarts. But the events of this movie proved that Hogwarts was the least secure place on the fucking planet, that they could have placed this fucking stone. Yeah. It was not, yeah. Oh, you mean children figured out our (laughs) (laughs) traps? Oh, shit, really? Well, that's what happens when your education level stops at high school and doesn't you know, include math or geometry or anything else. Perhaps I'm not that smart. Oh, well. Anyway, so Gryffindor wins. Yippee. Yeehaw. And now we go back to the train station and they're like, well, the smart thing would be to rehome you with a wizarding family or maybe, you know, stay here, live here for the summer. Um, But we're sending you back to the Dursleys. Now, guys, before you start yelling at me, I know there's a reason why it has to happen in the books, and it has to do something with the magic coming from his mommy, and the only living relative is his aunt, who is his his mom's sister or something. But since the thing about his mommy never comes up again... (laughs) (laughs) I don't care, but they're sending him home. And Hagrid's like, bye-bye, here's a book of all of our magical pictures in it. Isn't that great? And we'll see you here in three months. And Harry isn't suffering from PTSD at this point. <laughs> well, no, of course not. He's perfectly fine and well-adjusted. And he's like, bye-bye, and I'm doing exactly this, yawning. And they're <laughs> saying bye-bye, and everyone says bye-bye. And that's the end, right, Steve? The end of movie one of eight, yes. So, Steve. Yes, my friend. Tell me how you feel about Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. It's my favorite movie ever. No, that's not true. That's not true. I don't like it that much. But I do think this is a movie, if you recall, when this movie came out, it got really good reviews. It was very well reviewed when it originally came out. And, and, of course, made a huge pile of money, which is why they went ahead and made the rest of them. Yeah. I, I, I think the critical reputation of this film has suffered in the years since its release, mostly because its sequels were so much better. Mm-hmm. I think if you judge it on its own merits, this is a good movie. Not a great movie. Certainly not a movie without problems, because there are a ton of problems in the movie. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think it's a good movie. The screenplay makes some choices that 
I kind of understand, but I still think caused the overall work to suffer. Um, I think the movie is too long. I think it's not terribly well directed. But in general, I think it works. And I think it works mostly because the trio of young actors that are at the center of this mm. are are talented and are very well cast. The, the Harry Potter film series was always going to live or die by its cast. And the casting here is really, really good. I, I know we, you, you said, well, they, originally they, they wanted Tim Roth to play Snape. Uh, personally, I cannot imagine anyone other than Alan Rickman as Snape. I think he's absolutely perfect for that. Uh, I can't imagine anyone other than Maggie Smith doing McGonagall. Um, Robbie Coltrane as Hagrid is like watching Andre the Giant play Fezzik in The Princess Bride. It's like, I just, I can't picture anybody else doing that. I, I just, I, he's absolutely perfectly suited for that character. Um, Richard Harris is fine as Dumbledore. The only reason I'm not more effusive about him as Dumbledore is because Michael Gambon, who takes over that role in the third film after is Richard so Harris dies, better. is so much better. Is so much better. You know who um, I always thought, because I have read these books. Yes. But who I always pictured and who would have survived to the end of this, and based on how he was described, is another great alcoholic. Who? <laughs> I just Please. his name just evaporated right out of my head. God damn it. <laughs> Boy, isn't that that's that's a shame. Peter O'Toole. Oh, interesting. Because he's described as long, thin, and he's got these blue eyes and all this other stuff. I always thought Peter O'Toole would make a fine Dumbledore. Um, I'm sure he would have. But yeah, I mean, we, I, I don't want to talk too much about Michael Gambon because he's not yeah. in this movie. But I mean, no. but he's, he's fantastic as Dumbledore, starting with movie three. Um, and then There's and the nothing kids. here for the Harris Dumbledore. The Harris Dumbledore is barely yeah. present. There's not an, there's not much for him as written, and there's really not much for him in the second movie either, which is the only other time Harris gets to play him. So he's mm. basically just he's he's like old wizard guy, and he's fine. Yeah, but you know it is what it is. Uh, the kids, I mean, these kids are uh, talk about winning the lottery with casting this this the young part of this cast. I mean, uh, Tom Felton and Matthew Lewis and and Harry Melling are all fantastic and they all get their moments to shine they all have their you know Malfoy's not in this a lot but he has little moments um, Neville has his little bits of comic relief you know where he has he gets to stand up to the kids or he falls off his broom like they all have little moments my favorite character by the way Neville yeah yeah uh, he and he has the most growth like from the first to the last for sure fuck I mean. Potter and his pals <laughs> <laughs> Neville um I but, own some of the ones, and I, I own Neville's. Yeah. I have Neville's and Snape's, and that's it. Yeah. That's all I care Neville's, Neville's great. Neville's a terrific character. But, of course, the stars of the movie are, are Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson and Rupert Grint, and I think they all absolutely knock this out of the park. I think not only are they well cast in terms of their types, I think that they, they all can act and we found as they've grown up that they can actually act they're not just good oh, child yeah. actors they're 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 good actors period and that doesn't always happen with child actors sometimes child actors are really good when they're kids and then they grow up and you're like oh that's not gonna that's not gonna work but the these central three have shown themselves as an adults to be very strong actors um and so in this movie we see the three of them they have poise, they have confidence, they have chemistry with each other. Emma Watson has several moments as Hermione that absolutely depend on her having the right timing and getting the line exactly right, and she nails it every single time.
single time. Rupert Grint has uh, usually plays Ron as kind of the hapless sidekick, but then at that chess game, he has to step up and take charge, and he sells that. And then, of course, Daniel Radcliffe is the lead of this thing. Like, the whole movie is on his shoulders. This kid, this mostly unknown actor, and he fucking Christopher Reeves this shit. He is so good. Um, So the cast is good. And as much as I think the work of Christopher Columbus deserves criticism here, and I'm going to criticize it here in a second, I do have to give him credit for a couple of things. Because first of all, these are very young actors at this point. And if they didn't have solid direction, I don't think their performances would have been as effective. I forgot to mention who she who will not be named wanted to direct this. Oh, who? Get ready. Oh, boy. Terry Gilliam. Oh, gee, I don't, uh, I mean, I mean, I he's, think she may be basing that on the fact that he worked with kids prior. Yeah. I don't think she understood that he has apologized for the trauma that he has caused children <laughs> in his prior films, but I cannot picture him. I could picture him. Actually, you know what? I can picture him directing this movie. It would be different. But... Well, I, I don't know because the other thing about her is, she kept a very strong sort of leash on the movie. She wanted, she used her her uh, um, influence as the author, and the books were successful enough that she was able to do this. She was able to make these demands on the studio and get her way. She uh-huh. wanted them. She wanted them to be faithful adaptations of her books. And I think Terry Gilliam could have made a good Harry Potter movie, but I also think he would have departed from the text quite a bit especially stylistically and i don't know if for the first movie if if rowling would have been okay with that even if he was her first choice um, i'm just picturing the the gilliam aesthetic applied to this film yeah it would because be very know, different yeah it would yeah. and a lot more interesting uh-huh. I mean, than chris but, columbus or yeah, just well, about anybody thing. Well, well that's <laughs> the thing because like i mean uh, chris columbus i think he he worked well with the young actors there are a handful of moments in the film that visually work very well Um, and managed to transcend what is otherwise, I think, kind of a bland style of the movie. Mm -hmm. For example, there's the moment early on in the the snake tank at the zoo when after Dudley has fallen in, and then he stands up, and he realizes that the glass is back, and he is now trapped in the snake tank. And there's that a very nicely done moment where he reaches up and and he touches the glass, and you don't don't know that the glass is there again until until you see his hand pressed against it. Mm -hmm. And it's a very, and it's a really well done kind of subtle moment to establish that you know the glass is back and and he's he's trapped in there again um yeah and but unfortunately moments like that are the exception rather than the rule and the thing about it is like for as expensive as this movie obviously is and for as much as i like a lot of the production design especially once we get into sort of the hidden corners of hogwarts in the second half of the film it is mostly directed like a massively budgeted tv movie yeah, it's not very uh, distinguished stylistically. It's competent. It's straightforward. I can follow what's going on, but this material is just calling out for a degree of artistry that Chris Columbus doesn't seem to possess. No, it's and, very bland. And, yeah, and we see that in when when Alfonso Cuarón steps in and directs the third film in the franchise, mm-hmm. The Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, you mean there, where I usually start watching the yeah, films? Yeah, there. It's yeah, it's a <laughs> world of difference and you can tell how important a visually artful director is and i think it's very telling that from that point on it's quaron who sets the tone for the rest of the series not columbus even though quaron only directs that one film 
out of the eight mm-hmm. in the franchise. From that point on, that is the aesthetic for the rest of the series. It's the the Prisoner of Azkaban aesthetic that is established by Alfonso Cuarón, not what was established by Chris Columbus, which wasn't really much of anything. So, no. I mean, there there he are. Said, there are, Columbus said he tried to he wanted to mute the colors in the Muggle world and highlight the colors in the Wizarding world, but I really don't see any evidence of that. I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that at all. And really, the I mean, there's it's calling out for more. And again, as as Quaron shows, and as as the other directors from the rest of the, I mean, even like David Hayter, who was a TV director before he got the Harry Potter gig, yeah. by mostly taking his cues from Alfonso Quaron, for he ends up directing most of the series. He comes on after for 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 uh, episode five and is the director for the rest of the series, and does a terrific job. Mm-hmm. And 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 he's taking his cue from Alfonso Quaron. And it, uh, there are differences in in the color palette, but it's more than that. It's there are important stylistic things. Things that are established in the third film that Columbus just doesn't even attempt uh, that really define the look and the feel of the series from that point on that it's mm-hmm. really missing when you go back and watch this first film after you've seen the rest of them and you see the direction that it goes eventually this first film and also the second film to a great extent as well because it has a lot of the same problems um, it really really suffers from not having a better director um, but those are those are those are the quibbles I have about it visually. There are some problems I have with the screenplay. Um, for instance, that prologue we get of Dumbledore, McGonagall, and Hagrid dropping off Baby Harry. Um, mm-hmm. It spoils what could be some neat reveals later on because we've already met these characters and then we meet them again. And um, and also it just sort of adds to a running time that's already too long. But overall, I think thanks mostly to the cast and mostly to a a, a basic underlying story that hits mostly familiar beats, but hits them well. I think this is a good movie. It's not a great movie. It's not nearly as good as the best films in this series that come after this. Um, But it's a it's it's good and it gets the franchise off to a solid start. So I, I will say I recommend this one. Okay, my turn. Your turn. As I said, I watched these. I've watched these films. I have read the books. Um, did you read the books, Steve? I never read the books. No. Okay, I read the books. Um, and out of this franchise's um, the the films that are presented, this is my least favorite. The first mm-hmm. two, the Chris Columbus two. Yeah. And if I need to place a finger on what is different between these films and the later films is that there is a tone and aesthetic to the other films that matches what's happening in the film. These are dark stories. And the problem that I have with specifically with this one is that Chris Columbus is making it is based off a children's book. I will readily admit that. But he went to the side of cutesy children's book and really didn't understand <laughs> what was going on. The troll in this looks like a cartoon. Yeah. Acts oh, like yeah. a cartoon. You don't take it seriously as a, as a threat because it literally looks like something that was designed for a Scooby-Doo monster. And so if you can't take the, the troll as a threat and it's kind of like kind of goofy and cartoony, then you don't... It, it, it meddles with the tone. And the tone is even throughout here. He seems to understand how tone works when it's spelled out for him. Oh, you're in the spooky woods. Well, let's make it spooky then. All right, great. <laughs> right. Now, what, if you're back in Hogwarts, 
then everything is well lit and golden and no matter what's going on with the characters no matter how they're feeling and and he needs it to be separated into different pieces like when he's stuck in front of the mirror of Eriset he is that's you know kind of grimly lit blue toned you know oh we're supposed to know that this must be a bad thing but i mean he doesn't he he doesn't have an adept hand to subtly make changes within the scenes that he's shooting to make them visually interesting on their own through the use of camera work he's heavily relying on special effects and even then the special effects aren't anything that is that great right yeah. He's simply like, here, look at this. The stairwells are moving. Great. It's a static shot. Other yeah. directors that came along were really put you into the sense of how confusing those moving stairwells are going to be, right? They, there's a warmness and, a, and a, le- a level of camera depth to the other films that, the, that this movie doesn't have. Everything seems set-like. Everything is, is kind of... I mean, they have great big sets for things that they need to do the you know, for the, the main room, the main hall, and things like that. But everything feels very limited and confined and small. And when we get to the, the final battle between, you know, him and, and Quirrell slash Snape, for whatever reason, it lacks an impact because it's just a, like a candle-filled room, a pit, and, and you know, the, the, the mirror and Quirrell. And there's nothing there that has built you up. And this is my this is also my problem with the story, is that that final fight thing where his mom's love, none, none of that is built up in the, the storyline. You would think yeah. that someone would drop that in somewhere along the way, and oh, by the way, this is a thing. But we get that explained after the fact. Now, that's a story problem, not a setting problem. But I mean, everything... Chris Columbus is kind of like a less ambitious Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Okay. Spielberg knows what to shoot, how to shoot it, but he also manages to make his shots look great. Some of his sequences don't make any logical sense, if you think about it too hard, especially when he's doing fantasy sci-fi adventure, right? Chris Columbus, on the other hand, is being very precise, and everything has this kind of even tone, this even color tone throughout the entire thing, so that it feels very flat, that there's no artistry behind it. And that's bad. Diagon Alley is probably one of the most interesting sets ever created, and what's really great is that you see it in the hands of other directors, and they make it visually interesting. In this, it's just a street. And even though time went into it, they did do a lot of reworking of existing sets to make them more visually interesting, and then gave it to directors and cinematographers to shoot in a more visually uh, pleasing style. So that's just it. I mean, as far as cinematography and that is concerned. Um, the other problem with this is is that the other films adapted the source material a little bit better than this one did. They, I think because this was the first one, they clung very heavily to the events that are in the book. And that's great. When you're reading the book, everything is rolling along fine. But in this one, if you want to get to the plot points, it's like a offhand thing said by some one person, right? And yeah. there's a lot of misdirection in this two-hour running time of a, of a thing. We spend so much time in Quidditch. Oh my it's god, like, that's it's like the it's pod like, racing scene in episode one of Star Wars. It, it takes forever. It's like, yeah, it's like 20 minutes. And if Quidditch meant something later in the books... That's great, but Quidditch became less and less important as the books <laughs> continued on. 
Um, so, I mean, here's the thing. I'm not going to say it's a bad film. I know that I know I had kids that were really young when this came out, and they loved it. And I'm going to say I never really loved this movie. I'm not going to say it's a bad film. But, boy, if you take a look at that first film and compare it to the last one, they almost don't look like they're in the same franchise at all. No. You know, the the later books graduated to exterior shots that didn't look like a mowed lawn next to a forest, which is what this looks like. Oh, yeah. The the, the exteriors during the Quidditch game especially are really, well, really... Well, they're completely fake. Yeah. That's well, the problem. And they're so, they're so bland. It's just like... It, yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. It looks... It, it does. It looks like a generic mowed lawn. There's mm-hmm. no character to it at all. Yeah. Right. And I don't know if they were too afraid to put things into the story because J.K. Rowling was going to say no, but the world building in this first one is pretty sparse, and you'll see later on when they start adding more and more things into it, you know, that the world starts feeling a little bit more lived in, right? And so, I'm not going to say I hate it. I don't hate it. I just don't enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not going to say it's a bad, um, I'm not going to say it's a bad movie. Okay? So, I'm sorry, someone is uh, sending me a bunch of texts and I can't figure out how to turn it off. Uh, Everyone's going to... Alright. Is it okay? Okay. Should I stop sending you texts now? Yep. God damn you. Anyway, Steve, classic, not classic. I'm going to say classic. Okay, I'm going to say classic too. Hooray. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, you know, it's not, not the like, best one out of the group. Yeah, not like you know, classic. But okay. yeah, <laughs> All right, this side second. of the classic line. Yeah. Keep recording. I need to go upstairs. One sec. Okay. I'll be right back. Okay. Jason, I know you're going to listen to this later and you're going to think, ooh, I wonder if Steve said something interesting while I had to go upstairs and I told him to keep recording. But the truth is, um, I'm not doing anything interesting on purpose. I want you to listen to all of this because you can see the waveform and you know that I'm saying stuff. And you're going to listen to all of this just to see if there's anything interesting that I'm saying. And I'm telling you, buddy, there's not going to be anything interesting in any of this. So there, not a single interesting thing. Nothing of interest. Hey, you're back. Yeah, I'm back. (sighs) All right. Sorry, everybody. I had text messages. And since my wife told me, don't read them, I'm going to read them. It is, yo, hello, hi, get off the computer. I'm dying. Seriously, Jason, damn it. Please, these are all individual ones. Uh, I'm seriously going to die soon. Fuck balls. And, um... Don't any of you check your fucking phones, anyone? Jesus Christ. There we go. That's what was on those messages. So, so, I mean, the next question that seems to suggest itself is, is everything okay? Everything's fine. She just okay. wants dinner. Oh, okay. <laughs> so she's kind of abusing the emergency privileges. I mean... Whatever. Yeah, kind of. Hey, Steve. Hey, yeah, man. Do you have a movie that you'd like to not recommend? I sure do have a movie I'd like to not recommend. So... So because the Harry Potter films were so successful, 
there was a great, and not just the Harry Potter film, but also the Lord of the Rings as well. There, there was this great rush to adapt as many movies out of fantasy literature as you possibly could. That's right. And, and, and some of it was good. Most of it, I think, was quite awful. And one of the awful ones that I'm going to not recommend, it's, it's an adaptation, not of, of a contemporary fantasy novel, but actually an adaptation of one of the classic and best-loved fantasy novels ever written. And that would be a little thing called Alice in Wonderland. Oh, God. And the movie I am going to not recommend is the 2010 version of Alice in Wonderland, directed by Tim Burton and starring Johnny Depp as the Mad Hatter, who is suddenly the protagonist of the movie. You mean the the movie that's technically a sequel? Yes. (laughs) Um... Yeah, that's right because it's not a it's not exactly a an adaptation of the of the book. Um, they kind they do they do kind of like it reminded me a little bit of like Return to Oz. Yeah, you know, it's a little Return to Ozzy, but it's but anyway, it's not good. Um, it has a it has a great cast. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, including some people who were also in Harry Potter films, like Helena Bonham Carter and Alan Rickman and uh, Timothy Spall. Really great cast. Um, uh, Anne Hathaway is in it, and but it's just it's 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 a, a lot of of superfluous CGI that doesn't look that looks neither convincing nor particularly creative. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a really good example of late period Tim Burton when he has just kind of given up on making Tim Burton movies and he's like, sure, I'll just turn out crap. Just give, just pay me. <laughs> like, just pay me. I'll just turn out just sort of generically whimsical, weird crap, right? Right. Um, it's way too long. There's way too many people in it. There's way too much going on. It's not interesting. The only, the only actor who looks like she's having anything close to a good time is Anne Hathaway as the White Queen. She's awesome and hilarious and seems like she's in on the joke. Everybody you else mean Johnny is, Depp doesn't look like he's having fun as the I, Mad Hatter? Can you believe it? Where they use CGI to make him look like Elijah Wood? <laughs> Incredibly, he doesn't seem like he's having the best time. I know. Um, But, yeah, so it's not a good movie. It's not a movie I would recommend that you watch. It is a movie I would not recommend that you watch. There are other films of Alice in Wonderland that are better than this one, that are more, they're certainly more fun to sit through, and there are way more uh, Tim Burton movies than this that are a lot more fun to sit through and a lot better. So watch one of those instead. Do not watch the 2010 Alice in Wonderland. I do not recommend it. Wait, you didn't enjoy it when they fastened a plot onto a book that has no plot? (laughs) And it was like the least interesting plot you could imagine? Uh Yeah. I did not enjoy that. Okay. My turn? Please. Hey, everybody. As you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed, and it's 2001. And I think I've not recommended this once before, but I'm going to not recommend it again. And that movie is Evolution by Ivan Reitman. Don't see it ever. It's a piece of shit. It's bad. It's a bad, bad... I want to make Ghostbusters, but this time it's um, about aliens? <laughs> yep. I guess. 
It is David Duchovny and Orlando Jones and Julianne Moore, and it is a complete and total waste of your time. I don't know who greenlit it or who thought it was funny, but the world saved by dandruff shampoo. Yep, it's a bad movie. And if yeah. you ever, if if you were, if you were, you know, like us, if you were paying attention to the culture in the, the late '90s and the early 2000s, and you thought to yourself, "Gee, that David Duchovny sure is talented, and he's the lead on a really popular TV show. I wonder why he never." had a film career it's this movie this That's movie right. he starred in this movie it was an embarrassing bomb and that was it for david duchovny's film career mm-hmm. because they squirt dandruff shampoo shampoo into a giant alien's butthole yep that's that's a thing that happens that's how the movie ends. That's the thing that happens in this movie. Oh no, I'm sorry. The movie ends with the two main characters fucking. I forgot. That was that was the end. Don't see it. David Duchovny fucks Orlando Bloom or Orlando Jones? Exactly, Excuse me, Orlando Jones. That's exactly Jones. what happens. All right. Guess what, Steve? Is it time for me to make a, a wonderful choice? No. Oh. <laughs> As you guys know, I make Steve make a terrible choice at the end of the show to pick out what movie we're going to review next. It's a blind choice. He does not know what the movies are. I can say that they're all from the same director. Ooh. Okay. So, Steve? Yes. A, B, or C? Oh, man. Let me think about this. C. Okay. Oh, so, man, we're, we're, that thing happened again, didn't it, where I made mm-hmm. the choice you didn't want me to make? Mm-hmm. Why do you give me this power? I think you're going to understand in a second. I can't wait. Uh, oh, okay, cool. So, the director in question is M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, boy, he's done some good movie. Had you chosen A, uh-huh. we would have reviewed The Sixth Sense. Very popular. A lot of people like that one. Mm-hmm. Had you chosen B... We would have reviewed Unbreakable. Oh, that's a good one. That's my favorite Shyamalan film. But you chose C, Steve. Oh, what? Okay. Okay, guys, you don't have to do this. You don't have to watch it. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Oh, man, I can't wait to hear which one it is. (laughs) The next movie that we're going to review in this bright, shiny new year. Oh, Mm. I was hoping. I was hoping that we wouldn't have anything like this to review, but we do. We do. Okay. Oh, boy. The next movie we're going to review is arguably the movie that killed his career and exposed him to be a raging narcissist. Oh, boy. The incredibly awful The Lady in the Water. Ah. There's no ah in there. Can you... You just said what? Can you find a different co-host for that episode? No, you're stuck with it. You chose it. I did. Okay, I'm here. I'm doing it. I'm watching it. You're right. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta take my medicine. I chose C and C is Lady in the Water. That's right. That's okay. Okay. We gotta watch this self-important garbage. Yeah, can't wait. All right. so if you guys want to get all the jokes or understand why we've started hitting each other, (laughs) then please watch (laughs) Lady in the Water. And that's it. Thanks, you guys, for listening in. For Late Seating, this has been Jason Harding, and please see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives reminding you to remember the Republican Party motto, there is no good and evil, there is only power, and those too weak to seek it. You know he's a Republican, right? Voldemort? Yeah. 100%. He created Brexit before he died. Of course, yeah. Of course he did. Of course. That's the only thing that makes sense. Shit, this last four years, that's the only thing that makes sense. Exactly. There's, it was it was a, a ghostly, noseless Rafe Fiennes floating over the heads of conservative <laughs> parliament members going, Vote Leave. 
And this week, President Donald Trump uh, <laughs> nominated Voldemort to the Supreme Court. <laughs> and even Voldemort wouldn't hear his challenges to the election. <laughs> There's no evidence of voter fraud, Mr. Trump. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm yawning like crazy. This movie put me to sleep. I oh, want to continue honey. the joke, but I'm just kind of tired now. Oh, honey, why don't you just curl up on the floor and go to sleep? I can't. You you heard those tw- you heard those tw- messages. I gotta go make dinner now. <laughs> Let's go back to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, where okay. slaves make all of our food. Can we do that? <laughs> don't you wish you had little elf slaves to do all your housework for you? That you never have to see. Just don't accidentally give them laundry, or you'll free <laughs> them because that's how that system works. You can't give them clothes. You can't give them clothes. Don't it. get, it's, it's like gremlins, only instead of don't feed them after midnight, it's don't give them clothes. Maybe someone oh. should throw some gremlins into Hogwarts. Oh, I would love if there were gremlins in the Harry Potter universe. I would like a lot of things if they were in the Harry Potter universe. <gasps> what about like Godzilla? Godzilla. <laughs> Robocop. Godzilla. What if Godzilla right, just fine. showed up and smashed open Hogwarts? Let's see them. Yeah, let's see them take out Godzilla. Yeah, how about you got you got a spell for this, you little shits? Can't use Gamera because he's a friend to all children, even if no, they're yeah. wizarding kids. That's not so, so Gamera's happen. out of commission, but yeah, but you know, Godzilla shows up, mm-hmm. and maybe exactly. King Ghidorah shows up, and Godzilla turns babyface, and he has to fight, you know, to defeat the even worse monster because that's how it always goes. Yeah, exactly. And you sideline the human characters for the last act because it's the monster fight, and that's what we've all been waiting for, and it's the best Harry Potter movie ever. <laughs> okay, great. You know, they need more. Warner Brothers is desperate for money, so you may as well. <gasps> and of Warner course, Brothers, it's going to go directly to streaming. And Warner Brothers has Godzilla anyway, right? Godzilla's a Warner I Brothers property. Is it? Yeah, that, yeah, Godzilla and Kong, that's Warner Brothers releasing that now. So they could totally mm. do a crossover. Okay, write it. Send it to them. They're desperate. They'll do anything. Just, it, you know, who, write what? Just take Godzilla versus King Kong and just cross out the names of the Japanese people and put in Harry Potter. There's your goddamn Wait, movie. Did that shoot anything? <laughs> well, no, shoot it. You're going to have to make the movie, but in terms of scripting it, just, you know, you do mean a just search super in place. Just superimpose some wands into the Japanese kid's hands? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the little pixies that are in charge of Mothra are kind of magic already. It's not that sure. big of a stretch, you know? Of course. I think, you're, I think you have a million-dollar idea. I think I, we can turn anything into... A Harry Potter film by just digitally inserting wands into people's hands. This, you're right. They're leaving money on the table. Cool Hand Luke. Harry Potter movie. It's perfectly fine. It's like the worst of the worst in the school. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, 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 the the Wild Bunch. <laughs> Harry Potter movie. They just just digitally paint out the guns, give them wands, wands that shoot and kill people. We need to stop. My my mind is going to very dark places. Oh, now. I can only imagine. <laughs> All right, bye everybody. <laughs> bye everybody. Late seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding, produced by Jason Harding. Theme music Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. 
Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemmy Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Lemmy Listen. And thanks for listening.